The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Radiate Wellness Podcast, where today we radiate communication with Leslie Mitchell-Clark, who is the author of the book Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Leslie uses hypnosis and hypnotherapeutic regression in working with individuals who believe that they have had extra or ultra-terrestrial contact or other experiences of high strangeness right up my alley. <laughs> thank you for joining me today, Leslie. Oh, thank you, Christy. It's an honor to be here. And I'm looking forward to sharing some hopefully out of the box thinking with your listeners and viewers. So I'm just so pleased to be here. Wonderful. Well, first of all, let me ask, how long have you been doing this work with contactees? Approximately 20 years, right okay. around there. But how did you get started? How did you know that you even wanted to do this? Well, it's kind of an unusual story. I have had a long career primarily in the entertainment business, sort of all phases of it. And I had been working most recently before this as a top New York City music publicist. And I had just found no meaning in it. In fact, worse than that, I felt it was deleterious because as a publicist, I would blow people's egos up for three months and then they'd be floundering emotionally. I just said, this is almost what I want to do, but not really. So I was having really, I guess you would call it a midlife crisis. Now, luckily, I didn't buy a red sports car and get a mistress or a jiggle. (laughs) So my husband, bless his heart, he said, I think I'd like to get you a past life regression with a hypnotherapist so that it would probably give you some insight. I said, okay, great. I've never had that. I love it. I believe in past lives. Super. So he found someone competent and I went for my session. And what I took away from that was not only the information, the personal information that I got about my own past lives, but I knew in every cell of my being that I had done 
this kind of work before and I could do it. And I was born to do it, really. So it was an amazing sort of illumination, I mean, is the only way I can really describe it. So not long after that, I tapered off, stopped doing PR, and I went and got my basic consulting hypnotist certification and began to work in clinic. And beyond that, then I finally had enough credentials to go ahead and get my certification in what we call metaphysical hypnosis, which involves past life regression, interlife regression, and also something called entity release. I don't use that too often, but it is part of the triad there. So at the clinic where I was working, it was run by my mentor, Dr. Georgina Cannon. No relation to Dolores Cannon. I was wondering. (laughs) No relation. Yeah, but at the time, the clinic was very popular because Georgina had one of her friends is Shirley McLean, and she was always appearing on Shirley's podcast, and Shirley would come fly into town to see her. So it was kind of like that. So the clinic was open to it, but nobody wanted to touch that subject matter with a 10-foot pole. And so I said, bring it on. I said, bring it on. So what I did in working with these individuals, now, I don't want you to think I reinvented the wheel because what I did is I adapted tried and true regression techniques, Newtonian techniques to work with these individuals because regression is almost always involved. Right. It, yes, absolutely. Because we're not remembering what happened in the first place. So we needed to use regression to go back to that time. And how successful do you find it? I find it hugely successful. My own belief is, and I've done all kinds of therapy. I was a psychiatric technician before, but my feeling is that our job, first of all, or my job is as a healer. And the way to heal these traumas, sometimes they're devastating traumas. Sometimes they're just curiosity. I don't want to put any kind of a negative spin on this. But if there are traumas, just like with any kind of psychological process, we need to look at the trauma, get the overview, release it, integrate it into our lives. And I use a technique, again, that is very common in past life regressions. I never let anyone re-experience the emotional aspects of a trauma. Now, it used to be thought back at the turn of the last century that you had to really relive the whole thing as realistically as possible to get rid of it. But what was discovered, thank God, is that all that I do is turn the client or patient into an observer without experiencing emotionally traumatic aspect. Now, we use this for all kinds of trauma. If someone is recovering from child abuse, this is nothing new. So this is the same kind of thing that I do. I give the person the overview and they're able to see what's happening and look at it, I guess, sort of intellectually. I think that may be kind of what happens when we go through life reviews when we cross over, because I don't think that we're meant to be tortured. But I do think we have to have a conscious and a subconscious overview of the events. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had an experience yourself with an ET or ultra-terrestrial? Well, that's an interesting question. I do discuss this in the book. I had a whole summer of 
high strangeness, I should say. When I was a young actor, I had a job at a Summerstock theater in Rushmore State Park, where the heads are, where the presidential heads are, right? It's called Mm -hmm. the Black Hills Playhouse. So I was a company member, young apprentice company member. And there was a gal who was in the company who seemed fantastically mature to me. If she was 30, I'd be surprised looking (laughs) retrospectively, but we became very good friends. And she had a car and we drive in and out of town. And one time on the very dark, circuitous route to Custer from inside the park, I saw some very classic UFOs. At that point, they weren't very close. It wasn't close enough for me to see windows, but we were definitely being followed by erratically moving, unidentified flying objects. And the thing is that this area of the world is sacred. Native American land. And so it's, there's a no-fly zone. So what I was seeing could not have been confused with any type of a legitimate aircraft or acknowledged aircraft. So this gal, at that point, when I was seeing all this stuff, she began to tell me that in addition to being a singer, performer based in Las Vegas, she had another job where she worked for the government as a psychic communicator to communicate with a specific group of ETs that we were involved with, which I would call Zeta Reticulites, very similar to the beings who kidnapped Betty and Barney Hill. So these are the beings that we are talking about here. So I completely accepted that because I knew that she was a sensitive. I mean, that I could tell right away. And it did not surprise me. Now, what she told me after that was that she was trying to leave the program because it was exhausting. And the ETs never stopped trying to communicate because they didn't have sleep cycles in the same way that we do. And she just was burned out. And neither the ETs or the government wanted her to quit. And she'd had a very tough time. I mean, she'd be up all night performing and then she'd, she'd go out to a plane wrap airport somewhere and get in the plane wrap plane and fly out to Dreamland or one of these bases out there, Area 51, wherever it was, and wanted to stop. So all of that summer, every time I went anywhere with her at night, I didn't have any daytime sightings, but I was usually never left the compound in the day. So they got closer. I began to see more detail in the craft. And so one afternoon, and this is such an out there story, but I'm going to share it with you. So one afternoon in the middle of the day, I was just like hanging out at the snack bar, something I did really well. And there was no one around at all, like just me, even the guy behind the snack bar wasn't there. And and in a company of like 300 people, that's kind of unusual. So there's nobody around. And I saw this, I can only describe it as a kind of a men in black type car. It was an early model, late 60s model town car. It didn't have the full wings, but it had like semi wings, if you know what I mean. So this giant vehicle, which was anomalous in itself, screams in, comes into the parking lot, drives around in a circle, and then pulls up right outside my friend's dorm room. And I'm standing there, and I see getting out of the car, and I'm going to call them beings. Now, they were dressed like George Raft like 1940s Chicago era gangsters. That's how they looked. They were wearing little fedoras. And I will say that the skin looked like plastic. The skin did not look, the facial skin, which is the only skin I could see, did not look 
real. And I noticed another thing is that their pants were really short, like high water. Their cuffs were really too high, and they were wearing what looked like big orthopedic shoes. And I have to wonder, were they weighted down? Was it making it easier for them to walk? These are questions that have not ever been answered. So again, I'm about 30 feet away, so I'm really seeing this. The beings just go into her room, which had an outside entrance. And I thought, man, I can't just stand here and let this weirdness go on. I mean, I thought, well, I'm going to give it like five more minutes. And then I'm going in. And I don't know what I was going to do. Beat them with my tuna sandwich. I didn't know what I was going to do. But I was going in in five minutes. So in five minutes on the dot, they came out, got back into the car and sped away. So I immediately went over there. Now people started moving around a little bit. Now, once they were out of that parking lot, I started seeing people show up and doing their business, right? Doing what they do. And I went in and I asked, what the hell was that? She said, well, those were beings trying to convince me that for the good of all, I needed to come back in and continue working in the program. And I said, no. And they left. Oh my gosh. What I know. crazy story. And I have tried to find this gal. I've searched. I've been on Facebook. I even had a private detective look for me online. And I just have not been able to reach her. But she would now be, well, I'm going to tell you, I'm 67. So if she was 10 years older than me, she'd be under 80, 77, something like that. And this is an actor. So she's somebody in the public eye. How does she just disappear? Well, she was not an actor, but she was a, a singer. And she worked primarily, she always worked in the Vegas area because she kept horses too. And she was in the genre of country music, something I detest. <laughs> that, was her, that was her thing. Yeah. It's like the great Buddy Rich, the great jazz drummer, when he was on his deathbed, they came in and said, Mr. Rich, do you have any allergies? And he said, country music. <laughs> I was having this conversation with my daughter last night. <laughs> Don't care for it. Yeah. But she probably married. She's probably using another name. And I don't think she's trying to disappear. I think I'm just not able to find her easily. But I will. Right. And so you never got the chance to regress her. You never got the chance. No. I was only 16 when this happened. I had finished high school early at age 16, and something terrible happened to my college plans and my college fund. Namely, I didn't have one. And it was a surprise to me. So luckily, I was hired as an apprentice actor in this wonderful summer theater. And then I did go to university after that. But I spent two summers in summer stock there. Yeah. So this experience, is that what kind of planted the seed in yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But also I was obsessed with anything to do with ufology. And then when I was maybe 15, maybe a year before, you know, Eric Von Doniken had come out with his little yeah. Super 8 film, Chariot to the Gods. And that resonated. I said, that's what happened. We had super civilizations here before where the whole world is living in a state of global amnesia. And I still adhere to that idea. I think so, too. It's amazing. All this stuff is even in plain sight, depictions and everything. The Bible with Ezekiel and Revelation. I mean, oh, it's man. Night. And then remember, it's important for us to remember that the Bible, although we regard it as the word of God, 
there were a lot of editors in there. There was a lot of editing going on, just translating it from Greek to Aramaic to before even St. James got a hold of it. It's, for instance, the original first line of the Bible is, in the beginning, there were gods in the heaven and earth. It's not singular, it's plural. So we're looking in the States, we say the Cliff's Notes. We're looking at the Cliff Notes versions of what happened. And characters are combined. For instance, they discredit and violate the sacred feminine. Mary Magdalene was turned into a prostitute, which she never was. She was the head of a, of a shipping magnet. She was the daughter of Lazarus. This was all family stuff. So we have to remember that there is often more to the story. And even in the Holy Quran, there is a very detailed story of the Prophet Muhammad being taken up by the Archangel Gabriel and shown the earth. Now, this is thousands of years before anyone thought that the earth was a round object. The flat earthers were ruling the day. And yet there it is. There it is in the Holy Quran where yeah. a, a journey is described. So, oh, you're right there. It is all out there. We have just gotten to the point, I believe, where we are ready to accept it and understand that we are the hybrid beings. We are the hybrid beings. Yeah. So uh, from to just like understanding all of this, the work that you do with experiencers, how does that help them understand what's being done with them? Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive, holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, Back to our podcast and back to our guest. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, first of all, I would have to say that most of the experiences, I mean, upwards of 80%, most of the experiences that individuals are having are positive and wonderful. And they are engaging with beings of light or beings who are very similar to us, our cousins, if you will, but all kinds of other beings too. But there are insectoid beings that are loving and wonderful. So we have a lot of trouble with anything that doesn't come out of a mammalian developmental process. But there are the universe is endlessly creative and most of the beings, at least in our corner of the galaxy, are benevolent. That's not to say that bad things haven't happened. And of course, often when we get in there and look at a memory, our memories are not always accurate. And certain aspects that seem fearful when they're looked at in the full scope of the experience are not fearful at all. So what we're doing really is eradicating fear. And a lot of that happens just from looking at things as they actually occurred, because if we have My own personal belief is there's really no such thing as a person who has had one ET experience. I think in general, if someone comes to see me or wants to come to see me, and my dear friend Kathy Martin says the same thing, they have to have at least a partially recalled memory of an incident. And that's the place where we can start. But invariably, once I get in there and I begin regressing someone farther back into childhood, and I have them go to the first point of high strangeness. But I have to be careful to, in regression not to put any idea constructs in people's heads. I have to be like vanilla ice cream. I have to be completely neutral. But I invariably find out that most experiencers that I've worked with have begun having encounters since they were maybe three. So they have been identified either as Well, I think the one thing that is the great commonality of all experiencers is they are individuals with high PSI, with strong psychic ability. Oh, yeah. I think that because everything else gets crossed, ethnicity, religion, age, nationality, I mean, economic level, it's all crazy. I've seen judges and lawyers and police officers and lots of teachers. And then I also have people who are very fragile and are living on some kind of assistance and are not really able to cope with their lives. So sometimes mental health issues do play a role in all of this. It depends on the individual. And that's something I wanted to ask you about. I mean, at what point do you determine whether someone is dealing with a mental health Mm -hmm. issue or a legitimate abduct, well, abduction, but encounter? 
That is a key question. And what I will tell you is I do a very extensive intake before I see anyone. I'll either do it like this on Zoom or sometimes I do it on the phone, but it's necessary for me to do that because by law, at least in Canada, I am prohibited from working with anyone who has been diagnosed with a mental health issue. And by that, I don't mean anxiety or depression. What I'm talking about here would be borderline personality disorder, dissociative disorder, schizophrenia of some sort, these big major things. And I will find out. I will find out what's going on. And if that person is mentally unwell, it doesn't necessarily preclude the fact that they might have had an experience. So in that case, I have several psychologists and psychotherapists and psychiatrists who are very open to the phenomena, and they are legally able to work with this dear person no matter what the situation is. So I don't leave anybody to hang out to dry. But most people who contact me are extremely sane, stable, and highly psychic, although they may not realize it themselves. Yes, agreed. And yes, the different races tend to take a person and then work with them for years. Oh, yeah. Life. Oh, yeah. It's almost like many experiencers now that I work with, it's almost as if they live two lifetimes because I find that after a while, once one gets into midlife, the experiencer has become so good at bilocating, astral projecting, that the physical body no longer needs to leave. It just conks out. It just looks like the person is in a deep sleep. But the astral body, it's a kind of astral projection, which is almost more physical, more like sending your etheric body. But they become so good at it that when they're sleeping, they're actually on board a craft and engaging with other beings who have a higher vibration so they can be seen and move about. It really puts into question what we consider to be the afterlife. Because in what I think now is it is simply a higher dimensional frequency that is non-physical. And many ETs can move about effortlessly in what we call the afterlife. So we're all one. There's a great oneness. And, and this seems to be the big message too. We're getting a lot of messages that are consistent with stop raping the planet, feed the people, get your shit together, basically. And I think maybe not unlike the Gene Roddenberry universe, the United Federation of Planets, I think that there is a kind of an association or a kind of a moral code where they can only help us so much. Like now they can prevent us from blowing ourselves up. They stop nuclear bombs all the time. They have, they can, they will, because that is a galactic toxicity. They could tear holes in space time. They're really concerned with that. But as far as our development, I think now that we turn some kind of corner and I think more people are aware and enlightened on this earth right now than not. I know that may seem like silly, optimistic point of view, but I can feel it. I felt a shift in the energy a couple of years ago. And I mean, we estimate because one of the ways that I consistently have a stream of experiencers that I work with is I see individuals under the auspices of MUFON. I was part of Kathy Martin's 10-year-long experiencer research program. I see individuals through free Dr. Edgar Mitchell's organization before he passed. Now Ray Hernandez is running it. And I see also individuals through OPUS, 
which is a really wonderful organization with dear, dear Les Velez. Heads that up. Oh, isn't he just one of the sweetest people in the world? He's wonderful. What a sweetheart. Yeah. So I get to work, I get to work with him. So those people that I get referred, they've already been under scrutiny. They've already done their intakes and had a field investigator or what have you. So I don't really have to be too concerned with the mental health issue by that point. But if someone just contacts me from one of the many radio shows I've done or what have you, I have to be extremely careful. Has it happened to me very often where a a mentally ill person has a very, very small period, very small number in 20 years, very small number? Yeah, I can imagine. I don't think somebody who is mentally ill would go to the extra step of going back to discover these. Oh, yeah. And remember, with most mental health issues, including a borderline personality disorder and also certain forms of dissociative disease, paranoia is a big part of it. And they would be very unlike, it would be very unlike someone experiencing those issues to allow someone else to dig around. That's true. Now, on the flip side of the coin, I've also had on the show someone who wrote a book that was overwhelmingly negative about the abduction. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't happen as often, but this was a terrifying story, at least from the viewpoint of the experiencer. Mm -hmm. But right. I mean, overwhelmingly, it's a positive experience, loving, kind. Yes. And I would say that the most horrible things that I have heard, the worst things that I have heard are always involving some type of collaboration between Zeta Reticulites or reptilians and our own secret military service. So there are a lot of me lab things that all of that stuff is horrific, but it's designed and carried out by humans against other humans, I believe, even if ETs are present and involved. Now, one thing I will also point out is that we have to look back to the beginning of our modern era of phenomena. So that takes us back to the end of World War II and uh, the Roswell crash. Mm-hmm. Now, there were survivors. They were ET survivors. They were Zeta reticulites. They made a deal, which we called the Truman Agreement, that it later became the Eisenhower Agreement. But those ETs made a deal where they would be allowed to take genetic material from us. And they said, oh, small, tiny sampling of people. They really downplayed that whole, they won't even know it. They'll be asleep, you know, blah, blah, blah. And in exchange, they gave us some tech we could handle, integrated circuits, fiber optics, Velcro, (laughs) some some of those things. And that was the era that led into the era of the horrible extracting of sperm, taking of ova, using women almost as hibernation chambers for short periods of time, impregnating them and removing the fetus. I mean, all of this stuff happened horribly, but I really don't see much of it now because those men and women who experience that would be older because that deal with the Zeta Reticulites actually timed out and it was honored. They honored it. So we don't really have that kind of thing happening now. That Now there are always going to be those like purveyors of negativity like David Icke, but I don't accept that reality. Mm-mm. That my experience in the trenches here, doesn't paint that kind of picture. I'm not saying that funky things haven't happened, but if they have, 
we have to blame ourselves, mm-hmm. I believe. And I have seen a few negative things happen in my hypnosis sessions as well. Mm-hmm. Feathered, bird-headed aliens coming down and decimating a population. Gosh, what else? Some uh, reptilian beings that were eating children. I mean, there had been some things, but mostly it's overwhelmingly positive, amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, something I wanted to ask about was the idea of screen memories. Yes. Yes. Can you tell a bit about what that is? Well, screen memories, as I understand it now, most beings, even ourselves, are psionic. We have psionic capabilities. And one of those abilities is to project telepathically, mentally, an environment that will actually appear solid. I should say manifest an environment in a sense. And I find that this happens more when the ETs are working with children. They tend to manifest what they think are pleasant environments or suitable environments. Sometimes environments are manifested that are almost like Skinner boxes. I've had clients tell me, I feel like I'm being observed. They're really interested in what decisions I'm making and why I'm making them. And the experiences may be just, you know, an apartment that is oftentimes out of date, anachronistic, because they don't always get it right. Uh, In fact, this one thing that I'm thinking about, this apartment situation where the gentleman felt that he was meant to go from room to room and they were almost conducting experiments without it being obvious. But he said that in the midst of this apartment, there was an old black 1940s style telephone, rotary dial. Kids don't know what that even is today. That's right. Imagine if they had to actually dial a phone. They would have (laughs) no idea. Oh my God, what is this? <laughs> but screen memories are used. I can tell you a real a kind of an interesting one about children. That, yeah. Well, this involved an, another client and who was taken and used in various ways, not painfully sexually, but it was involved in various things from early, early on. And so at about the tween years, he started to be kind of surly and like they are, you know, didn't want to be taken, didn't want to participate. He was like, so he found himself one night transported to what was supposed to be a kind of a birthday party. But it was very strange. It was in a home that was constructed and all the kids were sitting in a circle. But some of the kids were completely out, were unconscious. And some of the kids were in awakened state and he recognized them. So they were taken before in a group, I'm sure. So what was happening is each kid was going into a small side room. And what was really happening was just little examinations, not painful examinations, just height, weight, few skin cells. I mean, nothing frightening at all. But what they did is the ETs had a great misunderstanding. So when this being came out of the side room to call in the next child, they were wearing a clown mask. Now, Onophobia, fear of clowns is one of our big biggies. And so my guy, who was, you know, 13, he just started tossing over furniture and yelling and making a big scene. And then within seconds, he was dropped down on his bed from like five feet, like clunk like that. So they got him out of there rapidly. So remember that these are imperfect beings just like us, and they're going to make mistakes. And that was one. If you're trying to make people feel comfortable and safe, don't put on a clown mask. 
we, we hear this all the time from I I do it all the time. Onophobia. It's a big yeah. deal. Yes. But we hear this all the time from ETs that they get it kind of close, mm-hmm. but not right. But like, not quite right. Like the guys with the high water pants. Right? Yeah. yeah. And the anachronistic situations where something that is wrong from the timeline gets in there. Odd furniture, like a telephone table, an old phone. You know, these and I think they just take things from our, our collective consciousness. Our collective consciousness or Maybe they lift things from the memories of... Now, speaking of memory, I just want to throw this out there. I don't believe that any memories can be suppressed forever. Right. I I do not believe it. I believe that the memory blocks that the ETs have used were really only about the blocks lasting until we could understand the process. That's what I think. But now with the kind of blocks that are used in our secret space program, they were only designed to last 20 years. They don't have the tech to make it go beyond that, is what I have heard repeatedly. So the people that are suffering the most right now, I feel, are individuals who have been part of this out-of-control, black-opt, black-budgeted secret space program where time was messed around with and they were like cadets from the time they were kids. Now, these dear people have experienced fiddling about with time. They have done what they call the 20 and back. In other words, the technology to move through the timeline has existed for a long time. We got the Montauk chair. We had the Montauk chair after World War II. This is not new. We can do this. And so a person serves 20 years. They have traumatic events. They're, you know, they're on different planets fighting and different stuff goes on. And then... At the end of their term of service, they go right back to high school or whatever, wherever they were at 17 or 18. And so they have 20 years of often hugely traumatic memories, which start like seeping out mm-hmm. in various ways. So what we have is we have an entire military force of people, men and women with terrible PTSD who are, have been disrespected, who serve their country and their world and who don't exist. Yeah. I've got a couple clients like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that aspect is terrifying. It truly is because this is like the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really tough. And imagine being 17 and carrying around the burden of 20 years of active combat and how that oozes into your conscious mind. So the people who I feel right now are suffering the most are these individuals because a lot of them are waking up. 20 years, a lot of them are waking up. And every day someone reaches out to me who's starting to wake up. So it's vast numbers, vast numbers of people. I can't help but think that disclosure, like massive disclosure is coming. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And and it's not coming through the government. It is a grassroots movement because we have been able to globalize through the Internet and individuals like you who have regular broadcasts who are opening people's minds. This is how it's happening. This is how disclosure is happening. It's the government has had opportunities. They purposely suppressed the information and they have suppressed 
knowledge that would save our planet because they're terrified of economic collapse. It's all, again, all fear-based. We were offered we were offered in the 60s mm-hmm. all kinds of ecological right. solutions that mm-hmm. where we nobody uses no sophisticated cultures use fossil fuels mm-hmm. this is caveman stuff and we don't have to we have been purposely put into a place of developmental retardation by our own world governments mm-hmm. i totally am on board with that yeah the case of valiant thor famously oh. Right? That's who I was thinking of. I was thinking of Valiant Thor. I didn't want to say it, but I was thinking of him right there. He stayed for three years, and then basically he said, F you guys. I can't do anything with you people. I'm out of here. Right. I threw yeah. you in the pipeline, and you didn't yeah. pick it up. No. no. Like, screw you guys. I'm leaving. I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. Yeah. When you're ready, you know, right. you're babies right now. When you're ready, we'll see. So I think that the communication is happening through people who can do non-physical communication. And I think that's one of the big things. That's the big thing that is the key. I mean, say you were Jane Goodall working in the Congo and you discovered a unique form of primate that actually had a, a humanoid evolved epiglottis and could form words. Now, wouldn't you spend your time focused on those eight beings who were at that level, who could communicate. And that's kind of what I think we're dealing with here. It may be also why certain people are followed in familial lines, because we know that psychic ability is genetically passed more Mm -hmm. commonly through the female line, but that may be only because men have been taught to suppress their feelings for so long. I'm not sure if that is really true, but Mm -hmm. at any rate, that's what's happened, I think. Right. Now, my father was an experiencer. He was a witness to UFOs. And I'm really waiting for my day to do that, too, because I do have psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. And so just waiting. I, I, well, you know, huh? I was going to say, you know, it's possible that in this lifetime, your role might be more about communication like my role is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do what I do if I was astral projecting every night and working on advanced projects. I don't know if I could physically do it, you know, and we may, you know, we have, when we're in the interlife, many times we make these agreements, we make these life contracts that we're going to do this work because this is one of the most exciting times in earth's history where we get back our identity, where we are able to take our place alongside our brothers and sisters in this magnificent uh, potpourri of creation. Right. It is an exciting time to be here. So many changes and so many developments. I mean, I could sit here and talk about this all day because there's so much information about it. But I want to ask, is there anything that you think maybe I should have asked? Anything we haven't gone over that is important? Oh, I think we have really really done a good job. But one thing that I would just say, come back to is the elimination of fear. Mm. Fear is the enemy. Even if you have a weird distorted memory, if you feel that you have had some kind of an experience, don't resist looking into it because of fear. We dissolve it. We disrupt it. We make new neural pathways. We disrupt the patterns of fear. So there is nothing to be afraid of. And most of the time you're going to find out it was really a 
benevolent experience that was misinterpreted by you somewhere along the way. As humans, we don't like to be anywhere, do anything that, where we're not in charge. But in fact, we may be very happy collaborators. So don't be afraid. And if you have a question about any of this, or if you even think you might have had an experience, you can always reach out to me at leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at lightworkhypnosis.com. And I do my very best to get back to everybody who reaches out. It may take me a couple days, but I always respond. So don't be afraid if you're having insomnia, if you're having PTSD-like experiences from events that don't seem to be part of your linear life, if you have missing time, odd markings on your body, triangles particularly, don't wonder. Find out that you are a big part of this incredible time of disclosure. In fact, we are all, this is the title of my next book, by the way, we're all midwives of disclosure. Oh, I love that. Midwives of disclosure. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We are midwives of disclosure. It's our job to bring in the new era. We came in as communicators with strong verbal skills and, uh, in my case, some tech skills. <laughs> and there's none, but enough, enough for this. So we don't need to feel less than the beings that visit us. We don't need to feel that way. And with every action that we do, every meditation, we are increasing our awareness. We're reinvigorating our pineal gland, which is full of DMT, which helps us do all these things. So it's a very exciting time. Very exciting time. Very exciting time. Again, the name of the book is Intersection, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. And Leslie's website is lightworkhypnosis.com. You can find all types of information there. Leslie, thank you so much for joining oh. me today. Christy, thank you. It has been such a pleasure, such a pleasure to talk to someone like-minded who is open and understanding of these things. And I think openness, openness and understanding of each other is what we need. Openness. And there are many paths, many, many paths. Even the Tibetan Buddhists have had encounters with ETs. There are many paths and we need to accept and love and support each other. Yeah. 1000%. Thank you again for joining me today. Thank you so much, Christy. You take care and thank you for all that you do in this great work. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. 
Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.